Live by the sword, die by the sword. Who did we roster or try to roster this season that let us down? And will we be back for more with the same players in 2023? It's time for Dingers. This is Dingers. Way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Keston here that wins you championships. That's why week oh, in yeah. and week out, we're <laughs> delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. Tyler Childs joined, as always, by Robert uh, Baseball the Third uh, from the Murder Room. How are you, Robbie? You open the episode with a deep cut. On <laughs> this is going to be a rough one. Uh, Ty, I'm okay. Um, I'm worse now than I was uh, after the opening, but I'm okay and I'm ready well, to go. And I wish I had the first cut as the deepest song ready to go after that. <laughs> it just sound like, so if you're listening, just sing it to yourself. Um, and and if you're walking down the street, the <laughs> please sing it to yeah. yourself or save yourself the pain of listening to Rob. Uh, <laughs> by popular yeah, request, I did stop doing singing <laughs> intros. <laughs> So this is a great episode, Robbie. Um, we talked last week about uh, dying on the hill and, and guys that we we kind of did an if or uh, prep heading into last season here. Um, this episode's a little bit more of the risks we took and the failures we had, um, talking about some of those guys at each position that we might do differently or, or maybe we're doubling down on, right? So we're going to talk about each of those experiences for us. There are minimal amount of crossover between our lists but um you know i think at the end of the day this is really good stuff and it's something that everybody should do what did i do wrong last season how can i improve on it was i a season too early in my strategy was i too a season too early on a player like all of these things are part of successful uh fantasy rosters so make sure you're doing that um but we're going to give you a head start here by by walking through ours uh before we do robbie uh twitter counts robbie baseball one on twitter at attorney boss on twitter at Dingerspod on the Twitter machine. Uh, that's how you get us. And don't be shy. Uh, ask us questions and stop asking people that give you generic answers. Um, we will we will not lie to you, um, even if it hurts your feelings. Um, and sometimes we enjoy that. It's okay. Um, we're all here uh, to get better. So, uh, Robbie, how you doing tonight, buddy? I, I'm okay, but just okay. And when we get through the list, you'll know why I'm only okay because – um, I mean, you know, much like baseball, I, I, I missed seven out of 10 here. <laughs> so, and unfortunately a lot of these guys are on multiple rosters in money leagues of mine, big money leagues of mine. And, uh, some of the guys that I didn't end up rostering, but did try to, um, you'll know why I didn't roster them. Cause before the season started, everything lined up for them to be successful. And maybe we'll dive into, um, why they did not succeed, but, uh, I don't know. Otherwise, whatever. Nobody cares how I really am. Ty, what about you? All good. I mean, you got some orange. Yeah. On. You're, you yeah. need the brightness. It's it's sweater season, right? You mentioned it uh, last week, talking about snow coming in. 
um, window beers, sweaters, like these are things. Um, time I, I'm actually, well, I'm actually heading to Kentucky this week. And one of the, one of my guys down there was just basically like, it might be too cold for my suit. I'm like too cold for your suit. Like, and he's like, listen, we don't all live where you live and we don't all enjoy the temperatures that you guys have. I'm like, listen, we don't necessarily enjoy them, but we're not afraid of a little cold. So <laughs> it's supposed to be like 24 degrees on Saturday when we're going to be wearing said suits. So, wow. you know, it's, it's not, not something that like, I'm going to be sweating. I'm going to be taking clothes yeah. off and be here in there and he's going to be putting a sweater on top of his suit. Um, so that is what it is. But other than that, get to do a little travel. I will be in Kentucky, which means new bottle of bourbon. Looking forward to that. Uh, and, and that will be featured in a future episode here on dingers. But on that note, Robbie, let's talk about the current bottle. A long time ago, someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles. In some of these bottles, they put juice or milk, and that was stupid. Today, only alcohol and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods. It's time for beers and bourbon, because good advice only comes in a bottle. <laughs> I watched you do it this time I, after I do. the last podcast that, when I was like, that didn't sound right. Okay. But I, I can't even do that because I already opened mine. Um, but I, I'm having the same thing I was last pod, which is uh Coors original because I'm a helpful person. Uh, I got a free case of course from it and you're having Coors original. Coors That's Coors Coors banquet, but it just says original on it. It doesn't say like banquet. Like you I call it, it says banquet right there in the red. No, it says original in the red. It says Coors, and then it says original. No, I always dent my can at the top. Because if you see this, I dent the can at the top so that it pours cleanly. would have been great if I just poured that on my uh, keyboard right now. But anyway, I will go look upstairs. I know it's supposed to be Banquet, but this one says original. Maybe, um, no, it's a milliliter. So I was going to say maybe it's a No, no, just get a Sharpie. Draw over original. (laughs) Put Banquet on there. And then, yeah. Yeah, it's the Coors that costs more. Um, just like some of the players on this list cost more than they should have because uh, they didn't all pan out this year. But um, we set it up for everybody with a lineup because that's the easiest way to break it down for fantasy purposes. You know, catch your first base, second base and so on. A couple pitchers, a couple RPs, because I have yet to see a fantasy uh, league winner who didn't have um, big hits in all of these categories, right? You need those RPs that no one's thinking of. Um, You need the starting pitchers that come and overachieve or uh, just do amazing things for you. Um, This is the opposite, the anti-list of that. These are the guys that we wanted those things to come from and did not get them. And uh, we'll discuss. So I don't know, Ty, do we want to go position here? We've organized it like that. Yeah, let's start there. And I mean, catcher's really easy. We always start with catcher, so we don't want to break trend or, or tradition here. Um, it's yeah. easy because we both got burnt by the same guy in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. And then I just did my salute to my guy as well um, in, in my list. But Kybert Ruiz is a guy that I think we both still very much believe in. Um, I will say this, exiting the season, I do have a concern for power upside. Like I always saw him as like a 20, 20 home run guy, hit for decent average, um, kind of a guy that could hit in the six or the seven spot. And and have reasonable production, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't I didn't see that this year. And listen, catchers 
almost always take a little bit longer to kind of figure it out. Like that's always a trend. Uh, I just thought we'd see a little bit more good contact. Like we've seen from, you know, an Alejandro Kirk who has a bit of a similar profile uh, statistically, right? Maybe less so on like the good, like the late um, contact, right? Like Kirk, you know, had the best two strike average in all of baseball, right? That's obviously his advantage, but you know, I, I saw Kybert being a little bit of a better hitter than we saw this year. And I, and I think there's room for improvement. I, I'm certainly not in the, in the camp where it's like, listen, I'm done with Kybert Ruiz. Right. Yeah. Not a lost but, cause. But, yeah. But certainly I, I thought there would have been some progress this year and, and there was very little, if any. Yeah. To sum it up, three to 94 at bats for Ruiz, seven dingers, six stolen bases. We'll take the six stolen bases, but uh, just for reference, Kyle Schwarber had 10. Um, so, uh, yeah, two fifty four average. He, which he hit. He hit a four hundred eighty eight foot home run tonight. Just fun fact. Schwar bomb. Yeah, Schwar yeah, bomb. That's a Schwar Schwar bomb. Um, also, uh, no, I'm not getting off on. Uh, we'll talk about Schwarber in another episode. Uh, three thirteen OBP for Ruiz. Thirty three runs, thirty six RBIs, and he was outside the top ten. Uh, across the board in all of your leagues. So generic, because every league's different, but generic points, 5 by 5 8 by 8 He was not a top 10 catcher. That's why he's on the list, because we both expected him to be closer to the 10 than to the 5, I think, but we expected him to be on this list, uh, or sorry, on a list of a top 10 guys, and he was not. And then you have Molina, who I think this was, you know, swan songy, right? This is Yeah, just but even the, for the Molina, decline. like... As a guy that down. just consistently grinds out consistent seasons, this was an awful season, right? So, yeah, I mean, that for me, like, I love Molina. He's he's won me a lot of games, but, uh, yeah, this was it. And and I just more or less uh, appreciate you salute, even though you were shit this year kind of thing. Yeah, 262 at-bats, which is already terrible for him. Five dingers, um, 19 yeah. runs, 24 RBIs, two stolen bases, 214 average. Not not what we're used to from yadi 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 yadi. So I'll see you later. But let's go on to what to me um, was a bit less of a fail and a bit more of um, a pro- no, not a progression. It wasn't a progression. It was a bit of a reset. And that's my first base pick, uh, Ryan Mountcastle, who I was trying to get everywhere because he had thirty three dingers. And a 255 average, a 796 OPS, which to me was just enough for people to think, oh, he's a power bat, but I don't really need him. You know, like he's not elite. And I was thinking, well, if he, you know, tunes it up a little bit, he could be a 260 plus average guy um, well into the 850s for the OPS. But it went the other way. He dipped a bit, not a lot. Average was 250. So very minor change there. But he was down. 70 points in the OPS to uh, 728. He finished the year with 22 dingers and he had more at bats, but less runs, uh, less RBIs, same stolen bases, which is four, which is very minimal. And, um, you know, just not, not what I wanted from Mountcastle. And I know Baltimore had a stretch where they were really good, but they still did what we expected, which was not compete um, they had September baseball that mattered, I guess, if you count like the first weekend in September against Toronto, um, mm-hmm. but it, it faded quickly for them, unfortunately. Um, well, I mean, they're they're at least two years early, right, in that run. 
Yeah. I mean, it was the pitching at the start of the year that was going to cost cost them. And um, it was the pitching that they didn't have. But things things shuffled in different ways in Baltimore this year. But anyway, Mountcastle, I was just hoping for more. I did not get it. So Mountcastle, to me, is somebody I will be looking at intensely this offseason. I'm also going to do the advanced stat dive. For anyone who doesn't know, we do our best not to get too much into the weeds on the advanced stats because, I mean, you can look it up just as easily as we can. Um, but we like to keep things simple on the podcast and talk about why we like the players. We also talk more about swings, things of that nature, than we do rhyming off all the numbers. But we give well, you the basic stats, so you got them. And the one thing that would be really interesting with Mount Castle for me is, like, how much did that outfield wall impact that home run total? Mm. Right? Right-handed stick, like, you know... He didn't play enough games in Toronto where he would have hit 80 home runs. Um, he <laughs> owned the Blue Jays. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there's there's an interesting conversation to be had there because of all the players on that Baltimore roster, like he is the guy that is the most impacted by that change, right? So I think it's an interesting move that they made. Um, I, I don't know if they're going to keep it permanently or not, but, yeah, I think it's an interesting interesting decision that they they made with him and i think it's definitely going to hurt mount castle and maybe they're going to try and leverage it for a long-term contract which would be the most expensive leverage play of all time but um <laughs> i would i would appreciate the savvy on that front <laughs> so, well i mean the, my, the braves are doing it with breakout rookies you know michael harris and then spencer strider so if baltimore goes the other way with struggling sophomores i mean why not yeah. you know yep. just extend uh, everybody extend yeah. everybody but to go through the effort of moving your outfield wall to get it done. <laughs> Simply to, like, to save. Yeah, save. Like, I mean, really, how much did it cost to move the wall? And then how many millions of dollars do, you, do they save? But will MLB let them move it back? So, I don't anyway, know. The cost was your first these days. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, I had uh, the Candyman, Heimer Candelario. I think, you know, a little bit of a congested situation in Detroit. He started the season injured. Um Always talked about Candelario being a second half guy. I've made that clear over a couple of years here, but um, you know, at the end of the day, just wasn't enough, right? 13 home runs was okay, right? Given um, a small decrease in at bats this year, uh, it's not the worst thing in the world. But the OPS 633 down from the career mark of 723 and the 795 and 872 in the previous two seasons, right? So definite production drop. I still like Candelario moving forward. I, I will say that like I'm looking for him in um, undervalued situations as opposed to like where I was kind of going into this year where I was thinking he could be a step forward guy. Um, I'm now looking for him to fall back in drafts and might pick him up that way. Uh, I still like him though. And and frankly, like with Scope getting older, taking less at-bats, Robbie Grossman not going to be there, right? Like, there's probably a couple more bats. Obviously, Torkelson's going to be in that lineup next year again. Uh, Miggy might retire, right? So there should should be more at bats there for Candelario, and and that should get him to back to that 600 mark, which we saw in 2021. Um, and at that point, I the thing I'm looking for, I have to see 25 home runs from Candelario next year. Like that's that's the floor that I have to see for me to be excited about him. Um, if not you know, you need a different corner infield fact. Yeah. I feel like in previous podcasts, when diving into um, JMR, you talked about the fact that his April Mays were so poor. So for what you're saying for 25 dingers, he's going to need to have a good April, a good yep. May. And that's just, I, I don't know if that's in the cars, but we'll, we'll have to see 
um, how it works for him. My other well, first oh, last oh, thing, sir, I'll be last thing yeah, real yeah. quick. Um, really like the, o the OBP drop this year, 272. Significantly below what is now a career 322, but like three, three, five, one, three, six, nine, three, one, seven, four, oh, six are the four seasons around that, that dip. Right. So steps forward like there, there really shouldn't be that regression there, there's this to me screams bounce back right like it just it's right there and it's smacking in the face really so, like i love yeah i i, think I was he's thinking gonna optometrist I, I think he needs an optometrist he no i think he was i the, to me that that tells me there's an underlying injury which he did have right it suggests that okay. something wasn't working so he was trying to a different approach to make up for that um and, and you know the limited bats or or you know, missing the first part of the season probably played a role in that. And, you know, I'll pull the splits really quick just to put it to bed, um, just to see what the kind of back half of the year looked like. Um, what do we got here? Yeah, I hit 321 in the last month. Um, wait, that's all right. How is that even possible? <laughs> hey, hold the phone. No, he did. Yeah. He hit 321. He hit 321 in the last 30 days. So I yeah. will stay on my How? point that I think. How horrible that. was that rest of season that that's that must have been pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. 803, 803 OPS, uh, 339 uh, OBP in that that last month. So, geez, yeah, he I was mean, Joey Votto I, until September. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like it. I like him moving forward. Switch hitter like again. It. Lots there. <laughs> you're you're right back in now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm shoulder deep in the pond now. Here yeah. we go. Let's go. I think what you need to do is just put a note on your phone, like in your calendar for like August 28th next year. And then in any leagues that you're looking to make a playoff run, you immediately go pick him up off waivers because no one else is going to have him um, at the rate that he played this year until September. So uh, the other guy that I had tie was first base, second base kind of, um, you know, bubble candidate or whatever you want to say is Keston here who you did mention off the hop, which did I piss did. me right off. Um, <laughs> the good thing that, that here did this year in only 234 bats was he had 14 dingers. Uh, he had five yeah. stolen bases. Those are good counting stats that we like to see. He also struck out just a hair under 50% of the time. Now that's something that typically I would like to say red flag. Um, I don't know how they can do this, but they did continue to send him out there. And, yeah. um, I don't know what his permanent role is going to be with Milwaukee. Well, yeah, Milwaukee moving forward, but it could be a splits DH type guy. 765 OPS is fine. It is fine in today's MLB. 226 average think, was not great. Yeah. I just don't think you can roll him out at first base, which was where he got most of those at bats this year. Yeah. Because they were they were giving Rowdy some days off. But like Rowdy is a significantly better first baseman. So I don't think I don't think you roll here out. Uh, anywhere but like maybe he gets some more reps at third right well he did because... get some second base time through injury this year like he yeah. like not his own he you know through um starter injury that he moved over to it but production wise he was okay this year if you if he uh, you know let's not do the multiplier because if he had had x number of uh, plate appearances lines would have looked better right he would have been in the 70s for runs and rbis but we don't know that we don't know what a hot stretch and a cold stretch would have done because Hira was never able to get consistent at bats. So but, this is somebody have, who moved from. No, no, sorry. Go ahead. Well, but well, you have Louis Sirius and Colton Long on the infield, right? And then you have um, yeah. what's what's the prospect uh, Harang or whatever his name is. Bryce. Yeah, they had Willie Adames as well. Yeah, but he'll be back. Oh, you're talking about guys that are gone. 
No, guys that are coming up. What's the the prospect? So Adamas is there till 25. Um, the shortstop prospect. Um, there's Cheerios, but then there's a guy that's ahead of him that uh, plays a little bit better defense than I might see. Uh, You're talking outfielder. Bryce, Bryce, no, no infield. Bryce. Uh, hooray. No, I don't know. I'm blanking on who you're I'll look it up. You, you go on and talk, sure. I'll find it. Sure. Well, anyway, with Hira, I think it's more a case of um, no matter your league size. I mean, obviously, if you're in 15 team and under, you're not really wanting to do anything but give them your final roster spot. But if you're 15 team and larger, you're going to be looking for him to be one of your final bench guys or just a bench bat. Um, Bryce, not a Bryce Terang. Oh, Bryce Terang. Okay. Sure. Um, but I don't think that Hira's involvement in Casey's future plans are sorry, that of a Milwaukee. starter at the moment. Milwaukee. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, no, I, I think you have to, I think you have to trade him. Like I, and I, and I think you, it's not a should, I think you have to, you've got Urias for a while. You've got Rowdy for a couple more years. You've got Adamas and, and Colton Long you signed. Right. So like you've got Cheerio, you've got Turan coming, right. You've got, Asturi Ruiz, right? Like, you don't need, but you just don't need Kessenhira. Like, well, he's, he's got to go. I, I mean, like, I don't, I mean, Toronto had the same thing with Rowdy, where there were some in the camp that said, this is your guy, and he, he showed promise, um, but they just didn't see it happening and they moved him quick. And I feel like maybe with Hira, they just waited too long to make that move. Now, I don't, I don't know what he's going to be offered. Um, as far as if he's arbitration eligible or anything like that, but the, um, the those power could be is there. The moves, but he, he yeah, definitely, he showed us this year. But he needs to go somewhere where they're going to be like, "Listen, kid, you suck. We need to drop this hitch <laughs> in your swing, and you'll be good. Are you up for it? Like that's that's what has to happen." And Milwaukee clearly isn't interested in doing it. Time to move on. You have lots of depth. You don't need them. Make the move. Well, this is the the guy that I was going to compare him to. I was going to say if anybody wants to like take a deep breath and think to themselves about the good and bad of a Joey Gallo type, do you want Ugh. to ask Kira Ugh. to sell out for power? Well, hold on. No. Do you want to ask him to sell it for power? No, you don't. Why? Because he can also play a little bit better. Now, what's the other dude that hits for a ton of power that can do good things and bad for fantasy purposes? That's Kyle Schwarber. Do you think he can be him? No, I don't. Because Kyle Schwarber was a top 50 player in 8 by 8 this year. And that is not a Keston Hira. You know, that would be like the peak ceiling for him. So I don't know where we're going to fall with him, but I'm not penciling him into dynasty starter status at this point. See, I, time. I, I, think he's, I think he's Houston Teoscar Hernandez. Like, the upside is clearly there. Like, I don't think anybody, even, even me, who is like in the furthest away from acquiring here anywhere. So the Alemius Diaz trade needs to take place. <laughs> just get the utility just get infielder. A, yeah. yeah. Just go get a different take and see if you can unlock the upside. Like, like it's, he clearly has enough upside. There's no, like anyone that argues against that is just being silly. Um, right. Like how, how do you, how do you get him to a place where he's going to get a different hitting philosophy and somebody that's going to tell him that what he's doing is stupid, right? Like, Yep. It just has to happen. Like, go play in Colorado, right? Like, well, there's five, lots of pit- yeah, that- five hundred at bats, and he'll have thirty dingers. That's what's yeah. going to happen. It's what's the rest of it going to be? Because you're not going to allow a fifty percent strikeout rate for five hundred at bats. That's not a starter in MLB. No. He's going to ruin too many of your potential, you know, inning runs or sorry, um, run scoring innings. But 
you know, maybe he's a better topic for us this offseason than I thought, Ty. Well, I thought it would be I'm gonna, a I'm, quick little transition. I'm going to end that with uh, kissing Hira for David Bednar. Done. Moving on. Um, my second baseman was significantly worse than yours. Um, and that's Garrett Hampson. Is um, a guy on a contract year. I was playing the contract bet, and I thought he would be not awful. Um, and he happened to fall into the awful category. Um, and, you know, I like the position flex. I only had him in a couple of the deep leagues where the position flex mattered. Um, and I'm not particularly deep in those leagues on the offensive side. So it was a smart move for me to own him. It helped me make sure I actually had people to play baseball. Um, but he played baseball very poorly. Um, so <laughs> nobody's really shocked by that um, as a pick here and, and moving on. Uh, third base gets a little more interesting, Robbie. I'm I'm surprised by yours, so I'll go to mine and then I'll transition mm-hmm. yours. I had I have JD there, Josh Donaldson. Uh, I was excited by the move to New York because one thing I've always liked about JD's swing, um, in his prime years he was a pull hitter, like he he just mashed the ball on the pull side, but he always had the ball, he always had the ability to flip the ball to right field, and and he hit a lot of home runs in Toronto to right field, um. Didn't do that, obviously, a ton in Minnesota. A little more pull side power while he was there. Uh, same with Atlanta. Um, but what I've seen this year in the games that I have watched for Donaldson, there's just a ton of hard-hit baseballs that he's just laid on. So he's trying to go to right field, but he's hitting it into the, the third or second deck in like, you know, I don't know what the right way to say this is, like 60 feet right of the foul pole or 40 feet right of the foul pole. And he's just he's just a little late on those pitches. He's making great contact. So I don't know if if he can somehow automatically recover from that moving into next year, but I'm trying to move away from Donaldson everywhere, and I think that's kind of the trend we should all look at. But definitely disappointed with what we got this year. Well, disappointed for me would also sum up the second baseman that I did pick, which was Cesar Hernandez, because I wanted him everywhere. This is more redraft. Like Nick Madrigal, yes, absolutely for Dynasty. He was a guy I circled. Injury prevented it, and then um, less than ideal performance um, on the average for Madrigal and Dynasty stock down. Cesar Hernandez, on the other hand, was someone who I thought could this year for a championship team help to really you know close things off for you. And by season's end, the line was down in runs. He had 20 less runs than the year before, 64 this year. RBIs almost in half, 34 the year before, 62. But the biggest one was home runs. He had 21 home runs in 2021. He had one this year. He had 10 stolen bases to one. But it doesn't matter that he had nine extra stolen bases because the power was down so much. The average was up 16 points to 248, which, again, does not help a great deal. And the OPS, uh, 629. So he was very disappointing to me. But th- this was a one-and-done situation for me. Um, but again, in Dynasty, you, you pick these guys up because others are not, and that's where you can try to, you know, lightning in a bottle for a season. The other guy that I had everywhere was very excited for, and end of season, I'm not saying uh, he won me anything, but I'm happy to have him for 2023 and looking at good things. That's Ramon Urias with um, Baltimore Orioles. One of the things we've talked about a lot, we do it, Every year, it's just a thing I do. Um, I look at the bottom dwelling teams. I see what they've got going on at their MLB level. I see who's just bubbling down below double A, triple A, who could come up. And sometimes you get a guy like Ramon Urias, who 
kind of doesn't mean anything to dynasty owners uh, gets to AAA and has less than 10% rostered on fan tracks on CBS on any of those dynasty type sites. And then I start to look for them to add them into my own league. Well, Urias only had 403 at bats this year. Injury was a thing, but he had 50 runs, 51 RBI, 16 dingers. Um, not, not a good walk, not a good OBP guy, but 248 average was, you know, league average ish and OPS 719. I think MLB's league average was 714. I'll have to check that as we go through the off season, but I liked what he did. I didn't love it. And I think there's more in the tank for him next year. Um, assuming of course he's locked and loaded third base. Cause he started this year as a potential shortstop second base, maybe moved to third. And now he looks like he is the third baseman. So depending on what Baltimore does this offseason, I like Urias. Um, there are things that he can do better, of course, and more contact, more dingers would be one of those things. So, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely going to be an interesting one uh, this offseason because Baltimore definitely is primed to add payroll. I think they have to do it on the pitching side, right? I think like if you look at some of those veteran pitchers that are out there, like the DeGroms, like the Sales, like the Rodons, like – those are the kind of guys that I see Baltimore spending some money on this year because their yeah. offensive pipeline is stacked. Like I, I really like. We've talked about this being this year, but I, I think for me, Ramon Urias is a is a potential uh, casualty of all of that. Um, Definitely. Of, of, of so, well, and, and their love and for Jorge Mateo, Ty. Like the the Baltimore Oriole love for Jorge Mateo to be like a shortstop for them um, is just confusing the crap out of me because Urias is perfectly fine and capable at shortstop um but yeah but, but yeah but shortstop's over like there's no there's no guy anymore well i'm I'm just saying like for baltimore because what they've done is to, to what you just said they've drafted the bats they need to go and buy the pitching that's how no, you but I'm that's how they gotta catch that, up but gunner's the shortstop so unless you see gunner as third baseman well, I, I, I think that's well, okay. I was gonna say, I think that's possible, but I also just think that like Mateo clogging up the middle. I mean, they were given so many at bats to Ordeur. It's very confusing what was happening in Baltimore <laughs> when you try to break it down from a team that's competing, not competing. You know what I mean, right? Like Odur was not helping them win, yet he consistently was in the lineup. So I don't know who the hell he was talking to, what he was doing on the bench that kept him. You know, maybe he was just telling everybody the Batista story over and over. Um, <laughs> and like somehow everyone like clung to him. But Urias but, but is a like, baseball player and Odur and Mateo, I think, are are not. Mateo is a bench bat um, and not even a bat. He's a stolen base threat. But anyway. Yeah. But 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 the pipeline is Henderson pre pre mentioned. I, I do think Henderson can move to third, but but I don't think it's until we see one of uh Jackson Holiday or Carlos Curry. Do not. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, do not say Adam Hall, because then I would need to. No, no, no. Yeah, no. Halsey's Dude. not even in the the top list, uh, which is a guy that I still think could He's show up back. on this list. I, like, I mean, listen, like, he is he elite? Uh, no, um, but he he did make, I believe, the full move uh, to center field last year, and you know, there there's still reasonable statistics. Like, he hit. Listen to this in in. Uh, <laughs> Here he goes, everybody. (laughs) No, I'm just going to say his 2022 stat line, 270 batting average. This is Adam Hall. Sorry, Ty. Just just tell everybody who we're talking about here. Yeah, so 713 OPS, Adam Hall, um, with 17 stolen stolen bases in only 211 at-bats. So staying healthy, like 
like there's there's a profile here like i and, and i'm telling you like i have coached this kid and he is one of the smartest baseball players that i've ever been around um the upside is there uh, it's whether he can stay healthy i think and he's he's got a couple years here now where he's been injured so that's going to be what slows him down but he played triple a ball briefly really small cup of coffee uh this last season so i think he could get an aggressive assignment and they might let him sink or swim um entering this year and they find out what they got i wonder if he's rule five eligible that'll be something that we get to cover uh come the month of december just so everybody that's listening knows um we are rule five aficionados are we 2016 or 2017 on the rule five for high school it should be 17 and then college i think is 18 so yeah, he was 2017. So he would be rule five. Okay. And so I don't he believe he's on the 40 man. That would that actually is a great call. He probably will get picked on that. Yeah, we do have a rule five or not a rule five. Sorry, we do have an AFL Arizona Fall League um, um, podcast that we've lined up. That'll be the next one we we record. We'll be talking about how guys are doing. Also, just discussing the players that are there because sometimes it is a matter of if they play well, they will get added to the 40 man and then protected from the rule five. And some of the other guys um, end up becoming the Nelson Velasquez, Juan Yepes, who we then see the following season making MLB impacts some well, greater than others. And hear me out. Great risk reward because, okay, a kill style player, moderate Ooh. power, speed, defense, injury history. So pull him over. Oh no, he's out for the season. Boom. Keep him on your roster. Right. Very, very <laughs> plausible. I'm just saying, like I'm just saying, like that's a storyline that could very easily happen here. Oh, do you want not... to take him out for, of a year of Pro Bowl? Anyway, I don't think he has enough AAA time. But I mean, we saw the Padres do what was it? Four picks, five picks, one year they did that with. Um, yeah. They've been busy. Teams do things. I, who knows? Who knows what'll happen? I just think there, there's enough here on the defense and contact side that if there's a if there's a guy that's a, a little bit further away that could be a potential steal like this could fit theoretically like like a colorado right with no outfield depth could be a play there okay well zach veen's in the afl that's another episode and he's also a high school yeah. ty who was the shortstop you were all over this year wanted everywhere i mean it's the same guy trying to get him yeah it's tatis i mean he just was he was obviously a disappointment like uh, there's other shortstops i could have picked but i'm just angry uh he cost me my home league title I was primed to make a deep run in the home league and literally like, and you can't make this up one day after our trade deadline, he's PD'd to death. Um, and, and it murdered me because I had to run Torres out who was a great stopgap, served me well for what I what had envisioned. And I was primed for playoffs. Uh, and, and he just shot me in the foot with that move. Um, unfortunate like i would have run a really really good team out there like my entire offense was ranked in the top 100 so adding to tease to that um would have been really 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 strong so that hurt um and as a result he's on this list invalid valid to have a guy because he hurt you and i mean you want to talk about big money redraft big money dynasty contract leagues anywhere that is not a keep forever dynasty uh, the, the people who rostered Tatis are not happy today, um, for the reasons you just said. And I mean, you're uh, in particular, the home league, like for us, um, it's a 14 team home, uh, league. You can keep seven guys plus one rookie, but it's not like actual rookie standards. It's, um, what I call BS rookie standards. Um, <laughs> but it's going to work out. Okay. It's going to work out. Okay. Anyway, 
Get the tiny violin out. Uh, now, it's, it's, it's going to work out okay because I'm going to be keeping Vaughn Grissom this year, who by MLB standards is no longer a rookie with his 141 at-bats, but by our home league is under 150. So he'll be sticking with me. But, but uh, you, the rule makes sense because not everybody in that league is savvy, right? And that's the thing. It's there to protect the people that don't do the research that you and I do. And it's that simple. Uh, yeah, sure. All right, fine. Set I'm a zero for the people that are in it. Just, <laughs> just because you can't beat up on all the idiots in that league. That's <laughs> just gonna say, I'm a zero time winner of that league. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, so my shortstops far less exciting. Well, at least one of them is far less exciting than yours. Um, Kevin Smith was one of the guys who, uh, former Blue Jay, I guess you want to call me homering out for that one. Sure. But I was excited at the idea of Kevin Smith moving to Oakland, thought maybe he would be third base shortstop. I didn't know what Oakland was going to do, but I thought there were at bats there and uh, they thought otherwise. And he got a bit of a run, but just did nothing. Sub 200 average, no power, no stolen bases. And he was out the other guy that I was very excited with, but honestly did not get to roster in many leagues. And I tried aggressively to get him in a few was jazz Chisholm. Uh, jazz only had 213 at bats this year, but he did a lot of damage. 12 stolen bases, 14 home runs, uh, 45 RBIs. Try to try to imagine 45 RBIs, 39 runs and 213 at bats. That's a ton of production on a crappy team. I just do the basic thing that we just talked about before. Don't do this. Double the at-bats, give him 426. Now he's almost like, you know, 90 RBIs, 80 runs, 28 dingers. That's not a full season. That's nothing close to it. So you're you're talking about the potential for him to be really big, uh, but you got a hot streak in there. You get a cold streak. A lot of that stuff can change. Anyway, 860 OPS for Jazz and a 254 average. Um, I'm loving Jazz for this offseason. I'm loving him as a, a guy to try to acquire. However, I know there's going to be a prospect, a heavy prospect price to pay. Um, if I've got JJ Abrams anywhere, I would one for one with jazz Chisholm in a heartbeat. I don't give a crap about the format. Just give me jazz who can, who can get it done. And I'm going to enjoy him as a ball player. I don't want to see Abrams on a really crummy Washington team. Who's going to be kicking the next few guys. I'm going to be talking about out there next year, hoping for better returns. Um, you know, things have changed in Washington. They need an offensive leader. I don't see who that's going to be. It's not going to be a committee that gets runs. They're not Tampa Bay. They're going to try to be, that's that's my fear. They're going to try to be Tampa Bay before they, they figured it out. Um, but Jazz Chisholm and Kevin Smith both missed, but I think Chisholm's got the raw skills to be an elite second base shortstop guy in the future. Um, I mean, yeah. Chisholm absolutely rakes on my MLB The Show team. Um, so oh, oh, thank that, goodness. We have not had enough. Have you been playing that much now with the two kids? <laughs> no, not at all. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they no. really got in the way, huh? It's <laughs> hard, no. Uh, but yeah, it is uh, it is what it is. So Elfield, uh, you know, Washington is is your stack. Um, you know, I, I do a really good job, as much as I homer out on the Jays, like regularly, I do a really good job of not overdrafting Blue Jays. Um, and, and it's mainly because other people do overdraft them um, in a lot of the leagues that I'm in, whether it's Canadians or people just super hyped about some of the really good guys. Like I just, I don't draft that way. It's just not the way I do my drafts, but um, every league I've you're in, these... Ty, if you're, yep, sorry, if you're in a, if you're in a league with strangers, if you're in a home league, whatever it is, as long as it's not like a home league and you live in I don't know Iowa, um, you will have a Canadian in your league. And if you are not, seeing blue jays on available when you're ready to either pick 
whether it's like a, a redraft, a keeper, dynasty, whatever the format, doesn't matter. If a guy has four Blue Jays, a high percent, 90% chance he's a Canadian. And he's like, I can't believe you guys didn't draft whoever it is. Because we get in this vacuum with Rogers, which is the company that both owns the Blue Jays and owns um, one of the major sports stations, Sportsnet. And they just pump it into everyone's veins that all of these Blue Jays players are so damn good that everyone in Canada gets hyped up. Even guys that get traded away, prospects, anything, doesn't matter. That's all that we hear about is how good all of these Blue Jay players are. And then in the offseason, they open it up to only like the top, you know, 10 to 15 type free agents that the Blue Jays should be signing, likely guys. And then they talk about like all the crappy Wiley vets um, who they could sign if all these big names don't fall through uh, or sorry, don't end up signing and things things fall down to the, the second, third tier dudes. Um, so in your leagues, if there's a, a bunch of Blue Jays that you happen to roster and you're not a big fan of the Blue Jays or you see like things are going to go well, find the Canadian. And then just rake them over the coals and trade them your Blue Jays. Just yeah, just putting that out there. You know what though? Like as long as you're, as long as I'm not being traded, um, somebody from the middle of the the innings or SP four, SP five. Like I'm listening, right? Like you know, that's the Jays are are a decent offensive team, and when it comes to fantasy, they may not win in real life, but they can very much help you in fantasy baseball. Um, so I I don't necessarily hate being traded those guys, Robbie. Um, okay, well, my guy, your outfit. Yeah, well, I was about to. I was about to. The guy that I, what my transition was going to be, and is it, it was going to be. And if you have Kevin Bichio in any leagues that you participate in with me, feel free to trade him to me Send because I will you. gladly take him heading into next season. I, I think there's some extra bats. I do think Witt's going to be the main second baseman in Toronto next year. I would actually really like to see part of the Jays' offseason be signing Witt and signing Chapman to like four year deals for both of them uh, would be ideal. That gets wit to the end of his career Chapman and that solidifies our infield. Like it's done. So what I like about that is it puts Kevin Bijou in left field and it makes Guriel very dispensable, which I can't handle watching that guy play left field anymore. So I am pro Bijou for both the reasons that I think he's better offensively than what we've seen up until now. And because I hate watching Guriel play baseball, um, so between those two things, um, I'm in on Bijou in a big way. I mean, the reality is here, he's he's a sneaky stolen base option, like not a ton, but he's going to get you double digits, pretty much guaranteed. Um, he's going to walk a crap ton. And frankly, there's way more power in that bat than we've seen. So I, I really believe once the pull uh, shift side gets lifted for him, I think it's going to unlock his power a little bit because I think he spent a lot of the first couple of years in the pros trying to like place the ball instead of hitting the ball really hard. So I think that's going to be the big change for him. And we've talked about it a couple episodes back about the pole side hitters having a huge step forward entering 2023 with the rule changes. And for me, I, I was a little early on that for Biggio, but I, but I still believe He's a guy like he is. He might be my new Grichik. You know, you said that in the uh -oh. last episode. Grichik's the guy that had to go. Might be my new guy that I'm going to hang on to. And again, same thing I said with Grichik. Like, is he an elite guy? Absolutely not. Like, he's not Tyler O'Neill to me. He's not a guy that I'm telling you is a huge bust out guy. But he's a guy that can make you better and not cost you a lot. And that's what I like about Bijou. Yeah, the 
uh, cost of acquisition will not be high for BGO unless, of course, okay. he's currently rostered by a Blue Jay fan. Um, anyone <laughs> else that would be sane and or level-headed would say, I don't know where he's going to play. But as what? we all know, those are the guys that get 400-plus at-bats by kicking around. As long as BGO can't get sent down, like if this is if he's out of options, that's an asset to, for so, BGO himself. One thing that's really important on a BGO acquisition is that there's lots of rumors and speculation that Romeo Tepe is going to get DFA'd or non-tendered. Sorry, not DFA'd. Because um, oh, of uh, money. Yeah. And and at the same time, like the Jays have an outfield logjam. So you might see one of, I, I don't think they're going to trade T Oscar, um, but I think Guriel's the guy. And uh, I was saying this to my brother, like you don't trade T Oscar when he's Vladdy's best friend and you're trying to lock Vladdy up right. for, the, for the long term. You just don't do it, right? So, so for me, it just the, the path for Bijou to be a uh, 500 a back guy is there. Um, and, and if that happens, there's enough value there for me. Okay. Well, I've got um, a duo of disappointments with the Nationals in Lane Thomas and Yadiel Hernandez. Hernandez was an older guy to come into this year. I just thought there would be at bats, I thought there'd be production. And he was okay, but he was not um, above average, which is what you need when you're picking a guy like a Yadiel Hernandez and having to pay prospect value for him to extend what was a brief period of success when he finally did get at bats post trade deadline in 2021 lane Thomas, however, uh, came over from St. Louis and I had high expectations with him hitting at the top of the lineup. And then he ended up hitting like six, a bunch and he was hitting ninth and then he was leading off and I was getting annoyed. But at the end of the did year, you, 490. Yep. Did you know that he was originally a J? No, I did not. Traded for international money. Sorry. Just, wow. I just learned that the hey, yeah, I just learned I just learned that the other day. I thought I would share. Sorry. Continue. Do you know how well I'm just curious, do you know how late of a draft pick he was? Uh like to be traded for internet that that's high. Jeez. Fifth round and then traded for international money. I wonder if that had anything to do with signing someone that is of impact or if it was you know just like a crappy well, throwaway. Well, 14 was that Vladdy year? Yeah. 14 might have been Vladdy. I'll, I'll look that up while you can. Okay, on. sure. So Thomas, 498 at bats, 62 runs, which you'll take. I mean, it's not great, but you'll take it. 52 RBIs. That's middle of the road. 17 dingers is fine. Eight stolen bases is okay. Um, the sub 30 strikeout percentage you'll take. The, uh, what was he? 8%, 7% walk rate. Not great. 241 average, below below league average. 705 OPS, little below league average. That's ideal. That's not ideal. That's exactly what Lane Thomas did. Just enough that you are annoyed from him, but his his um, final month was not great of the year. He did dip off at the end, and what I would love to see is everyone to just forget and not want to roster Lane Thomas, and I will scoop him up everywhere. I just assume he's going to be a starter next year, and he's going to have more than 500 at-bats, and I want to see all those numbers. Um, Worst-case scenario, repeat, but more than likely uh, give him a, I don't know, seven, 10% increase. And then we can start to see where he could actually go. The big thing I thought was going to be runs. I thought he was going to have a ton of runs because he was at the top of the lineup, but he didn't consistently lead off. If he does next year, that's where the money is. And Yadiel Hernandez is just like a power average bat that will probably be back with Washington next year. Um, I'm going to very quickly try to see where he finished because I know he was hurt. So uh, yeah, he didn't even play at all in September. 
but 305 at-bats last year, nine dingers, 30 runs, 41 RBIs. That's a lot of production for 300 at-bats. Um, 269 average, 722 OPS. And, you know, I would look at a flyer for him, but again, it's short-term for for Thomas. So those are the two guys, sorry, for Thomas and Hernandez. Um, disappointed by both for different reasons, but also interested in Thomas, not interested in Hernandez. Ty, who's your next outfield? Yeah, just really... Quickly to close the oh, loop yeah, on Lane Thomas. Thomas. Yeah. Um, 2017 was the trade. So I th- believe that was okay. uh, Orvelis. I think that was his year. Okay. So, which, so, you know, as I've went on. We got on a guy. Was phenomenal. 30 home runs last year from a kid. But, yeah, that's that's pro bat material. So, moving on. Um, next guy in the outfield, Tyler O'Neill. We talked about him last week. Uh, Tyler O'Neill. Obviously had a great year. I've been on him for a while. I obviously own him. Um, definitely hurt me this year. Uh, 14 home runs, but like disappointing overall, right? Still great player. Lots to offer. Had some really, really tough stretches. So if you had him and started him in some head-to-head leagues, you got hurt. Like that's just how it went. Uh, points, same thing. Lots of strikeouts in that stretch. Uh, it it was bad. Uh, and, and there's room for improvement. I, I said this last week. Going to be picking him up more. Going to be adding him. Going to be looking for more shares. Injury risk, no arguments there. So if you're if your team is full of injury guys already, you're probably not going to want to look at Tyler O'Neill. Just a heads up. But if you've got some security or guys that are reasonably healthy, uh, Tyler O'Neill heading into next year, I like still for the obvious reasons that I liked him forever. Uh, but you know, just got burnt real hard this year. All right, so I'm already excited to talk about my pitching, so I'm going to blast through the rest of my outfield because uh, <laughs> I just want to talk about the pitching. But I had Jose Siri. We talked about him last week, um, Houston to Tampa Bay. If you want information on him and his season, and I think I may have like started to light the fire on Ty being somewhat interested in Siri for 2023, uh, but I'll, I'll slow burn that. The next guy <laughs> was Cooper Hummel, who honestly – just came on the radar later in the off season, you know, January, February, looked him up, highly available, had a cup of coffee and, um, or sorry, had a really good finish to his, his 2021 minor league season. And then came up this year and 178 at bats. I thought he was going to be a starter with, um, the diamondbacks. He ended up becoming a starter, but didn't get like legitimate play. Nothing was good. Sub 600 OPS. The average was sub 200, um struck out 30 something percent of the time like it, nothing good but there's potential for him to um be better and yeah. that's that's my other guy so anyway quick and quick and dirty on those two yeah definitely uh i mean for me the last guy's castellanos a guy that i acquired in a couple leagues to kind of get me into that playoff run and unfortunately he he got hot about a week and a half too late uh i i Bought him with the expectation of what I've talked about in great detail um, is looking for patterns. And I've seen a pattern with Castellanos where he has really strong finishes to his season um, in different scenarios. Uh, I liked the home stretch for Philly. They were, they were red hot down the stretch. Um, and and I, I hit the nail on the head in terms of the acquisition, but the time in which I needed him to be good, it didn't fit that timeline. So I like, if I would have made it to the championship, in the, in the leagues that I had him would have paid huge dividends, which was part of the acquisition strategy. So just burnt on circumstance. Um, and, and I knew the risk I was taking and it worked. It just didn't play out in terms of getting myself 
and the rest of my team into that position. So um, I think a lot of people probably had a, a poor experience with Cassianos this year, which mm-hmm. I think is why I'm flagging him. Uh, the the player still had an overall reasonable season. Like it wasn't wasn't his best by any means, but certainly not a guy that you're like, you know, he was he was the worst player in the league. 263. Um the 674 OPS is substantially lower than the career 801. Um just 13 home runs versus 34 last year, right? So that's the big fall off. That's the big gap. Um room for improvement next year. Acquisition target, no, no questions there. He is a perfect mirror image of um, Eugenio Suarez, also former Red, who you can say, well, he's not going to be his peak, but he is not as bad as he just was. If he's somewhere in between, we got a perfectly good fantasy player. And I yeah, think that's a good is, mindset to have for him. Yeah, but he's not going to strike out 190 times. Okay, okay, so sure. But but not all leagues are strikeout leagues, right? Right. But so, it's a, I'm just, a phenomenal contact bat, right? Like, We've got seasons like 2019, he struck out uh, 143 times, which for a guy that hit 27 home runs is a pretty reasonable number, right? So, you know, not elite by any means, but he also hit 289 with that. So, like for me, like Suarez peak maybe, but Suarez peak was 50 home runs. So I, I don't know. Like I just don't, I don't love that comparable. That's all. Not to, I agree with the philosophy of like he's past his prime, which I think is the point you're trying to make. I just yeah, don't know he's that a, I love. He's not Suarez as bad as he just was. Yeah, like you, you can look for a bump up, but don't don't go and think that you're going to get what you once had in a Cassiano stat line. Um, yeah. All right. So let's move on to pitching. So my biggest burn tie 100 um, percent was Trevor Bauer because I yeah. didn't get an inning pitched and I did uh, draft a very specific strategy, which would probably be a good post AFL episode uh, topic would be how would we fix what we did last year if um, by chance we made mistakes, which. I would admit saying um, everyone's wrong on Trevor Bauer and he's going to end up getting to play while well, he didn't. And uh, where I expected him to be a stretch run ace, um, he ended up just taking up a roster spot or I drafted him wherever it was that I drafted him, um, bought him an auction and all that money's just gone. That, you know, so that one cost me. Um, another one was Bubik. Ouch. That hurt. Talked about him in a previous episode. And um, if we want to start to turn the corner, I'm going to ask you, Ty, what you think his overall ranking was, because it doesn't match the stat line. Um, But try to just think right now in your head about my friend Patrick Sandoval of the Los Angeles Angels. All right. He had 11 quality starts, a 291 ERA, 151 Ks and 148 and two thirds innings on a very crappy Angels team, six and nine record. Where do you think overall in the season rankings Patrick Sandoval was? So this is Yahoo in our 8x8 home league. Now, uh, for reference, a completely useless player is a 1,000 or higher. Um, Somebody who is shockingly good at two or three categories can easily be inside the top 100. Where do you think Sandoval is? 419. 750. Yeah, no, he's definitely not that. It doesn't make sense. It's it's wins getting overweighted, I believe. And then obviously he doesn't have any saver holds, which is an entire category. Um, So Sandoval, I think, is a sleeper in several formats for next year. And he also didn't get 150 innings, which people are going to circle and say that could be an issue. Um, but for me, he's, he failed in the sense that like, I wasn't, I didn't roster him in any leagues. I did really well in the ones that I had him. 
I miss playoffs or, you know, with one and done. Um, and, but Sandoval a hundred percent, I'm right back in on him and, you know, hurt me again, mister. Well, I mean, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the reality is there's, there's lots to love and lots to hate with, with Sandoval. I mean, the, the OPS against righties is 725. The OPS against lefties is 385, which is phenomenal. Right. Yeah. So, so we now have a platoon pitcher. <laughs> Which is, like, that might be in the next year's rule changes that you can swap yeah. your pitchers based on the batter. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for, for whatever reason, I'm struggling to find the actual ERA that was matching these splits. I don't know why it's not showing me that, but you know, at the end of the day, like he had a 291 ERA, like that's, that might be the, the most hidden stat line in the entire yeah. angels like season right and and i think kudos to you because you've been uh, annoyingly on sandoval for like what feels like the better part of a decade um, 2019 i had him as a top 50 heading into the hey, hey fun fact it's his birthday today ah. Ah, <laughs> yeah. so um that just that's a fun but i i'm with you i'm in on sandoval i'd I need to see that improvement against the righties obviously that's the big hurdle yeah. Um, and, and really, if you look deeper into stats, like one of the big things that hurts him is the walks and right. the walks clearly are, are happening against the righties because he's pitching around them. He's nibbling, so, yeah. and, and, and I've seen it like visibly like the Jays, like he just, he was, he didn't last more than five innings against the Jays and their right handed heavy lineup. Right. Like that's the games that I've really seen him, but the stuff's there. Uh, I think he'll figure it out. I, I like him moving forward. Um, but again, I, I tell you this all the time, like you sometimes beat yourself up on these guys, but like, this is a guy that you're right on. You just have to wait long enough. Whereas I have zero problem waiting and I have zero problem being annoying about me waiting. Um, <laughs> and so that's, that's where you're at with Sandoval. He'll be fine. Um, for me, my first guy on the list, Baz, we talked about last week. Obviously he's just had a complete derailment of what was supposed to be early success in his career, uh, given the injuries we might not see Shane Baz next year, right? Like at all. That's a very yeah, realistic possibility. Yeah. And I, I think we will. I think we're going to see a, a September run because I think Tampa is going to be competitive again, obviously. And and I think very similar to what we saw with uh, Glasnow down the stretch here. That's my expectation because Tampa, frankly, as much as they're a reasonable pitching team, they do not have starting pitching depth right now, right? That they can lean on. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that rotation in the off season. You've got guys like Yarbrough and Torinos and guys that can step up into that role and fill some innings, but not Shane Baz level arms. And, and definitely, um, they need to find a way to, to get Glasnow locked in for a while. But anyway, um, Baz hurt me. Obviously I drafted him in a lot of leagues or traded for him, um, in others. And I got beat up pretty good on that one. I still think one of the more promising young arms, but until he's back from injury, we just we just don't know what he's going to be after that. But uh, upsides there, no arguments. And if you're completely rebuilding, like this is a great guy to go get. Like you know, some other team is probably pissed they're going to lose him for a year. If you give them a good offer, you you could have some real upside here with this arm. Yeah, it's likely we don't see him again until he's 25. He's, he finished the year as a 23-year-old, and as we're saying, we may not see him next year. And if we do, as Ty alluded to, it could be as an RP, not an SP. Um, the other thing to think about here, too, is that Baz has 
Tampa Bay in his way rather than the Houston, like you're healthy now, here you go, you can do it. He has no track record of success, right? His max innings in any season is 81 and a third, and that was in 2019. Um, th- oh, sorry, I, I guess if we're going to tack on the fall league, 92 innings, he did have that year. So total of that. But um, innings is something that Baz needs, and mm-hmm. uh, MLB experience is the other thing that he needs. So I would be I would be a little bit concerned, but like you said, Ty, I mean, you could you could go and put them on your roster now. As soon as your season starts in 2023, boom to your IL, and um, then you're just waiting to see exactly what it does. But if it's contracts league, he's still rookie eligible, 40 and a third innings pitch career. So something yeah. to note for those leagues that it matters. Stuff matters. He has it. Uh, that's the last part I'll add on top of that. But uh, right. next guy on my list is a guy that. I did what I'm suggesting you should do with Shane Baz in a lot of leagues, and that's Dustin May. Uh, I went and got him, held on to him, and I did it in our home league, Robbie. Um, he's going to be yeah, one of did. my keepers. Yeah, he's going to be one of my keepers. Like I drafted him early on a team that I knew I had some depth already um, for the purposes of keeping him. And I feel right like I now, offered you Kershaw and a pick, and you needed to give right. me like picks or something with May, and you were like, no. Yeah, why would I trade a guy that might have the best stuff in baseball? Like for the guy that does have the best stuff in baseball, uh, yeah, for formerly known as the guy that has the best stuff in baseball. Um, so that that is now. Rich Hill? Dustin. Are we talking about Rich Hill? I know that's that's Rich, your comparable. Rich Hill right? has one pitch, and in With most of his, yeah, most of his <laughs> success is that it, the pitch comes in from like a forty-five degree angle, and the sun's in in the pit, the. Oh, eye. So, oh, it's parked. Yeah, it's like, parked to park. Yeah. All right. Well. Yeah, he's he's the old guy from Major League. Like, yeah, I got the stuff underneath my hat. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. What the hell is that Joe guy's Bo- name? Joe Boo needs a yeah. refill. Yeah. <laughs> you need to take <laughs> Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, as your. <laughs> uh, anyway, point is, is that Dustin freaking awesome. Uh, however, um, he did very similar to what I was hoping for from Tatis down the stretch this year to really have <laughs> wow. an injection. Um, he didn't help. Like he pitched a little bit and had moments of just pure brilliance in those outings because the stuff is electric. Um, he, unlike Justin Verlander, who we talked about last week, um, just didn't come back with fine form and he will get there. He will be that good. Um, and, and right now is about as good a time as any to try to steal Dustin May from someone. Because the stuff's there, there's a there is enough track record to see that. Um, and if you watch five minutes, you can see how good the stuff is. Uh, his pants will probably be a little tighter next year, which would be great. Uh, he'll be more dialed in, um, and we'll be laughing. But yeah, I mean, Dustin may hurt me, and that's why why I went there. And I will add to your point on Dustin May that um, the Dodgers, for the first time in years, do not have too many starting pitchers on the on the books for 2023 um they have openings in the rotation and a guy like dustin may just immediately gets penciled in and julio reyes just is penciled in i mean you know whatever he's an era champ now but um that was the thing two years ago was what's Urias gonna do right uh well now we know we know what a guy like may will do next year he's just gonna start every fifth day was he's Urias going out you know era champ yeah he was good for him i did not I see that coming <laughs> Yeah, in the one league that I traded him in, it was a very significant trade. I did get um, Rodriguez with Baltimore back as part of the mm-hmm. centerpiece of that deal, and I was willing to make it simply because I thought 
I need more than one really good pitcher in order to win because we have three day scoring periods and four day scoring periods, much like an MLB series. Anyway, complex league. Another another day. Uh, live live and buy, die by the sword. Tristan McKenzie uh, allowed me to live a little longer in a few leagues this year. Thank goodness, Ty. Um, I know you didn't like him headed into this year, but now he's got 191 and a third inning season under his belt, plus playoff time. 11 and 11 record was not ideal, but 11 wins I'll take. 190 Ks. I was hoping for you know 230. I was hoping for a better K per nine. But an ERA at 296 is beautiful. This is his first significant, significant drop. Also, really, his first full MLB season. 18 quality starts. Thank you very much, Tristan McKenzie. For every um, Chris Bubik that I was in on this year, I seem to have Tristan McKenzie on the same roster. And it was just like, stop with the Bubik, put him on the bench, cut him, whatever. Um, McKenzie became the guy and, and didn't have the peaks and valleys that uh, he was known for. He was known for poor Septembers. He was perfectly fine. And so I'm loving here, here, here's my concern with McKenzie. The hard hit rate is well above league average. Um, and, and so is the exit velocity. So uh, that's, that's my big issue here. Uh, the barrel percentage is up, right? Like the league average for barrel percentage is six, seven. He's at nine, eight. Um, those are substantially like, potentially damning numbers right um uh, the chase rate's reasonable at 74th he's in the 74th percentile like the upside there's some stuff there like no arguments but the peripheral data to me is mortifying for mckenzie i've been going on and on about it um can he break through maybe like cleveland just has a way um i, I will acknowledge that he could just defy all odds because i think it's safe to say Cleveland knows something on the pitching side that no one else knows. They can they can run Eli Morgan out there with no problems, and he's somehow <laughs> successful. Yeah, playoff win now. Eli Morgan has a playoff win, uh, not as a starter, but he got. He just, he just threw softballs like above, like at the top of the zone, like and he got. It out. looked like my men's league, like it did. Your men's league. Well, I tie. I only have two pitchers left to talk about. Brady Singer is one of the live by uh, die by the sword guys for me, but I talked about him in a previous episode, talked about the success and my happiness for Brady Singer, even though the st season started for him very poorly with Casey. Um, he righted the wrong of the front office, not his own play. Um, and that's why spring training stats don't matter. Um, hashtag uh, no spring training stats 2023. <laughs> Let's do that. Anyway, I vote. <laughs> <laughs> That is so loud um, for anyone who doesn't know what the hell just happened. If you check us out on YouTube, which is Dinger's podcast at um, one hour, seven minutes in, you'll see that Ty just has a thing that says spring training stats, but it makes that noise. It's so it's just loud. so the best part is that it's more painful than the spring training stats themselves. <laughs> it's true. So I only have two pitchers left to talk about and you've got two left. So um, I've, I've said my piece on my, my McKenzie singer boys. Uh, let's talk a little six though. Yeah. I mean, six though for me is a guy that I still feel very strongly, about. I think he's a guy that Miami mm. might move this off season. Like I think, yeah, it's, I think, I think I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Like I, 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 if they're looking at what they have in their stable, like six though probably has the most pull, like 
Pablo's a guy that based on what they've they put him out there this um trade deadline as a guy that they'd be willing to look at. Right. And everyone's like, listen, like he's good, but not what you're asking for. Well, Sixto might be good enough to get what they were asking for. Um, and frankly, the injury risk is probably worth the reward for Miami. So I think that might be the outcome here. Um, I thought he'd be back for a good chunk of this season, right? I just that's where I got that's hurt. I. Uh, yeah, I, I just expected him back. Um, he's he's entering that category now of like Team Glass, and it's it's definitely scary because I own him in a couple spots, but um, I still like the upside. Very similar to what we talked about Baz before. Like, there's enough here that this still could be an ace. He still could be. He could be the one B to Sandy Alcantara there in Miami. Like, I mean, there was a time where I would have said he'd be the one um, and and Alcantara be the, the two or the one B, but I think that certainly is different now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I got burnt. I'm I'm not giving up a lot of my list. I'm not giving up. I am just think I'm early or had circumstantial. Uh, he fits that build for sure. Well, he definitely had a weird uh, 2021 to 2022 because we were expecting – post injury to see him immediately up and with the, you know, with the MLB club and pitching, but that just wasn't in the cards for him this year. But now it, it, it's as if he's buried and will become almost like an Anderson Espinoza type yeah. prospect Great. Who, well, like that. who is, yeah, just like he's not pitching. So w- what are we supposed to do as, you know, intelligent fantasy baseball minds when we want to build a good dynasty roster and we don't know what to do with a guy with Sixto who doesn't have a stat line, who doesn't have an up-to-date scouting report. You know, you can go and look at like the prospects 360, prospects 1500, um, prospects whatever. You know, you can go and look around and try to find info on them. It's not there. It's not updated. So you have to make an educated guess on you know your particular roster and your league settings as to whether you can afford to um, dip whatever I would say you know, multiple B level prospects in the hopes that Sixto is still an A level prospect. Um, but he's got MLB time and it wasn't shiny and bright, but it wasn't enough to exceed rookie eligibility. So, you know, that's that's a trickier situation. But for anybody headed into this year that had him, absolutely had high expectations. And it's yeah. it's okay to say that, you know, he kind of he didn't screw you, but that you didn't get what you wanted out of him. Um I don't know that I would look to move him if I had him because I don't think I could get much back versus what I expected or expect him to be able to do. But you never know what kind of a name someone might dangle, right? Like there could be that one guy that really just sells it for you. Um, And I know last year, one of those guys for me that people thought was flash in the pan and I was thinking long-term for was Ranger Suarez um, with the Phillies who came out last year and had just an amazing... um, SP from RP swap second half of the year and his stat line last year in 2022 in 155 and a third innings was 365 ERA 129 K's 10 and seven record 11 quality starts, which is a perfectly good line for a pitcher that you want to see um, develop. And then next year be, you know, a Tristan McKenzie type 190 plus inning guy. Um, But the problem is that he had a 136 ERA 107 strikeouts in 106 innings in 2021, as well as being the type of guy who had some save holds for you. So everyone had really high expectations. I'm fine with this Ranger Suarez line, 
but I was honestly hoping for maybe 20 more innings of this. So I could have seen some more production. So he's someone I had everywhere and typically overdrafted, which is why I would say I had died by the sword. I was hoping there would be a bigger breakout, a lower ERA, but in, in a dynasty way, dynasty mindset, I'm okay with what I saw from him in the two, I think leagues, maybe there were three leagues that I acquired him. Um, I didn't have him at all. Uh, outside of maybe one league it headed into 2021 now i've got him in four leagues that i have significant financial investments in so yeah and i'm i'll be back next year well and pitching's tricky and i mean honestly like there's certain things that you can see you know with certain um advanced understandings of of baseball but like you do a phenomenal job of picking up the stat lines well in advance. And it's great because I love having these conversations like on guys like that or, or Sandoval, who you mentioned earlier, like you see certain things in the stats well before I do. And I'm like, yeah, the, the mechanics are there and there's something here. Um, and he did this in this situation, right. And it ends up being like really good between our two minds. Uh, but um, Suarez is a guy that I still don't, I don't think there's eliteness there. Again, that's the thing I flagged for him. Like, I think there's right. serviceability, right? Like, there's there's a guy that can be productive at some levels, but you know he's going to hurt you sometimes. Like, that just is what it is. Um, and, I mean, he had a reasonable season. But um, a guy if that you really would fits S- that same – go ahead. Sorry, if you would SP1 to SP5 him, where would you put Suarez based three. on kind of how – yeah? Okay, right in the middle. All right. Which yeah, is fine, yeah. right? Like – yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like, it just where where you went early in the offseason was like he could be an SB1 or two. And that's where I was like, whoa, yeah. let's wait a second here. Like, he can be I good. was certainly thinking like, he could be an SP2 from 2022 forward. That was my mindset. Absolutely. He, yeah. He, he's basically Clay Holmes on the starter side and a lefty, <laughs> right? Like, he, right. He, he's going to give you production. He's going to be relatively consistent. But he's he's just a guy that throws a like a really good pitch with a couple other okay pitches, right? I mean that's really what he is, and ultimately that's why he can't reach SP one ever. Um, you know, Montez is the guy that I have next on my list, very similar, right? Like fastballs, some nights really good, splitters usually pretty good, but if the fastball isn't on point with the splitter he's just not good. And and the slider's not good. If the other two pitches aren't good. And we saw that in the back half of what the Yankee Montez was, he was terrible, just terrible. Couldn't locate, couldn't do anything. Um, You know, he didn't get all those foul ball outs in Oakland. um, And all of a sudden he was getting beat up. Um, Very disappointing for me, Montez. Um, Still like the upside. I like, I have him super cheap in a couple spots. He's still going to give you strikeouts. Uh, there's, there's enough here to roster him in a lot of formats, but for me, I, I really need to see, um, a step forward from him. Springs training stats are really going to matter. Uh, for Frankie <laughs> <Montas>. <laughs> um, on a personal note, uh, I have had a lot of Frankie Montas because I was really thinking ahead of the curve in that he had a spot in Oakland in 2019, I think it was in the rotation and he ended up getting SP five and he kind of had his breakout year there. And I had him in a lot of places and it was great because like found money, you know, you pick up the SP five, he turns out to give you SP two, three value. You're very excited. That's, that's great. Um, Since that season, he has done nothing but disappoint me on my most competitive teams. 
And this year was no exception. I actually traded him away in a league that I had a perfect 20 and 0 regular season. I traded back for him at the trade deadline just to further strengthen my playoff push. And it was crappy starts from him and others, absolutely, you know, collapse on my team that my perfect season in one 30 team league went up in smoke. And as a result, I have just decided that Frankie Montas no longer exists from fantasy purposes. And, and it's okay uh, he is to dead do that. To he is me. dead to me. Frankie Montas <laughs> is now dead to me. Um, and it has a hundred percent to do with the fact that I have personally felt burned by him. If I ever met him, I would let him know what he's done to me. And I would hope later on that night when he's brushing his teeth in the mirror that he thought, Hmm, that guy was a real a-hole or maybe I should be better because <laughs> that's what I truly want is for him to be better, but he won't be on my team moving forward. Well, uh, I mean, here's the thing. He's got to be better or the Yankee fans are going to let him know just he's going to have a bad time like he he is new aaron hicks right like i mean mm, that's the reality okay. i was thinking uh, sunny gray no 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 he's he he might be more hated than aaron hicks right well like hicks that, is hated because uh, cashman gave him a seven-year contract um that's and you know, that's aaron hicks's problem brutal and he's done very little to well because he was hurt so much hurt so he, much his whole career he had like a six-month window where he was good that's yeah. it yeah it was it was him and Didi. They they were both yeah. really good in like eighteen or something like that. And anyway, yeah, but um, Didi was good because his fly balls were home runs. That's it. Yeah. Well, okay. So my last pitcher here. Speaking of home runs, uh, he gave up a few of them this year and uh, died by the sword of Jose Suarez with the Angels. He was basically SP seven in a six man rotation. So that's rough. Um, but overall, the line isn't terrible. But he, here's the thing: one hundred nine innings pitched. When you need a 150 plus and you get 109, that's a disappointment. He had 103 strikeouts, an eight and eight record, which is more two more wins than um, Sandoval, who I believe had six. If I'm remembering correctly, I have been consuming some Coors. Um, four quality starts for Suarez. Another issue: he's a five inning pitcher, and that is something that if he's going to be given, um, what are we going to call it, an SP four spot next year, SP five. Um, even SP six spot, he's going to need to be able to turn those into quality starts because he, he can be a good pitcher, but he can also really frustrate you and walk a bunch of guys. And um, Jose Suarez will be on the outside looking in for my dynasty rosters next year. That's where I am on him. Who's your final or the sorry That was your final starter was Montas. So you can dive yeah. into the bullpen. Yeah, bullpen. I mean, for me, Gratterall missed a good chunk of this year. Hurt me a bunch in some of the deeper leagues. Uh, clearly a power arm down the stretch. Uh, going to be a power arm moving forward, but very similar to Ranger Suarez and Clay Holmes, like really uh, relies on on the sinker and the power power sinker, um, and, and ultimately it's good enough, right? I mean, it does the job. Uh, is he ever going to be the closer? No, nope, probably shouldn't be. Great setup guy, save hold lead, love him. Um, for me, it was just he missed too much time, and that's it. It's that simple. Um, right. There's not a lot else to go into there. Sure. Uh, mine's an absolute, you know, grand salami, uh, except for the fact that he sucked around the trade deadline. So in the leagues where I was selling, the offers went from um, high pick returns to, you know, mid, you know, whatever. I didn't deal him anywhere because it changed. It was Clay Holmes. Clay Holmes was somebody that I thought had the ability to be very useful in save hold leagues. And that was heavy on the holds, light on the saves. Well, it turned out he was just 
a closer or is a closer um, to the point that our oldest Chapman is just hanging out at home now. No longer. Well, he's, he's actually technically a Yankee, but we know that's not going to last for long into the off season. 27 save holds for Clay Holmes in 63 and two third innings, 65 K's and seven wins this year in a 254 ERA. Now he did have a couple weeks of uh, blow up and then an IL sin, but he came back and he was good. So I'm really liking my Clay Holmes dynasty shares where I've got them. And um, he was a positive for me. However, like I said, he had that stretch in the middle of the season that in the leagues that I wasn't competing um, completely ruined his own trade value. So I'm interested to see what happens with him headed into next year. I mean, real risk there, Robbie, taking the the Yankee closer as a guy that's a, a miss. Well, come no, it's live by the sword, which I did, and die by the sword. And he hurt me around the around the trade deadline. That's and I've got him everywhere, absolutely everywhere. Um, yeah. the, and do you the, know how many people feel bad for you? Zero. No one feels bad that you're the Clay Holmes owner. Like no one. No one feels well, for you here. If I if I posted the rosters where I have him, I'll, there are also zero championships with those that's, rosters. That's Actually, why you blur out the rest. Yeah, though I was gonna say there may be the one because even in the one, Roto Ronnie was like, I don't know what year that's from. <laughs> like the one league that I won this year, uh, he's questioning uh, whether that was even my league or not. It was uh, uh, Ben Palmer, um, who you know, we've whatever been on with um, podcasting through uh Palazzo podcast in the preseason. I ended up joining a dynasty league of his and I won that. And um, yeah, I picked up Holmes and others, but anyway, uh, Holmes is a guy that I did well from Ty. What yeah. about, what about a guy that you were hoping really good things from? Well, I mean, Jorge Ocala is a guy that I really still like um, moving forward in Minnesota. I mean, obviously Yohan Duran kind of ran with that back end role and, and they, brought in a bunch of mediocre guys to to pitch in front of him in Minnesota. Um, that went well down the stretch. But uh, Alcala is a guy there. Um, and, and frankly, if, the, if that back end of that bullpen is Duran and Alcala moving forward, like, woo, that's gross. Like, that's, that's an impressive one-two punch. Um, velocity stuff, it's all there. So Alcala missed the entire year this year with injury. Uh, he's just... I had him in a couple spots to be the guy that solidified my bullpen in a couple leagues as the guy that would get me some of those saves. And that was before Duran had come onto the scene. Like he was the guy he was supposed to be the closer yeah. and, and just whiffed. So that's now gone. He's now a holds guy. Um, strikeouts will be there still. So I, I still like him. Um, but if, if I'm not in a saves league, he's useless. Um, and, or sorry, if I am in a saves league, he's useless. But definitely got hurt real bad on that one. No questions. And I mean, the possibility exists that he could be back in that position next year. But first, he's no. got to come back and well, I was no. he's got to come back and pitch effectively, and then you need something to happen um, to with Durant. Durant. Yeah, yeah Durant's the guy, and and he's Durant's the pit bull too. Like if you watch five minutes of him on TV, you're like, ooh, I don't want to run that guy in a dark alley because he will like bite my face off, um, and. <laughs> It like just just don't so like well, that's what you want in your closer frankly yeah like uh romero with with toronto he's got that intensity and it helps uh if you don't totally believe in the stuff that you see that like he he also has that want it 
you know, not that I'm, I'm better than you. Um, hater thing. He's actually like, looks like he will just kill you with a stare. So, well, um, but, and, and it's going to be tough to overcome 89 strikeouts in 67 innings from Duran. Like, sorry. Right. Like that's, that's just real good. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so another guy that I bought into everywhere this year and the only league I think that I didn't have him in was, uh, like our big money auction league, 30 team league, because I made the mistake of posting him right away when people were like throwing money around. So then he just went up over $3, which is three actual dollars. Um, and I wasn't willing to put that much money into a guy who signed a two-year contract with Tampa. That's Brooks Rayleigh. But Ty, I didn't even know this until a minute ago. He finished the year with 28 save holds. I did not know he had that many and only two the last, well, whatever, half of September. And the reason that I put him on my miss list, like the die by the sword, was because he was he had the first save of the year for Tampa Bay and then nothing for three weeks, like no saves. I think maybe a hold or something like that. And I'm like, what the hell did Tampa Bay do? I was so looking forward to seeing Rayleigh going out, you know, like, in crucial spots um, when they needed a win. But by the end of the season, a 268 ERA, 61 Ks and 52 and two thirds innings, but only one win and two losses, which, you know, whatever with the losses, but only one win. Um, but honestly, I, I, I mean, I kind of thought he was bad, but, but now on, I'm just like looking at the year end summary. He was fine if you're in a save hold leagues, but if you were looking for him as I was to take over as a closer, in Tampa Bay just because they are weird like that. And they gave him a two year deal. And I think he's the highest paid player. He made 4 million bucks on Tampa Bay. I think he was the highest paid guy. Um, that's a joke for everybody out there. Um, <laughs> really exceeded. Uh-huh. Oh, thank you. Really exceeded <laughs> expectations. Um, but I thought he would actually become the closer. So that was, um, he, he can't fail. be the closer because like lefties can't, they won't closers. do it. Yeah. yeah they won't it do it. Can't happen. Um, yeah, last guy on my list was just awful this year, and like I just can't wrap my head around it. Uh, Julian Merriweather in Toronto is a guy that I've loved. I still like. I still think there's something there. And a lot but of people what, do, Ty. A lot of people do. But he's he, for me, like he's telegraphing something because he just gives up like no doubt bombs that aren't like the moonshot, like I swing hard and miss the barrel. They're like line drive squared up piss rockets and like (laughs) i just i just can't get past it because the stuff's too good for him to get hit as hard as he does like it it just screams he's tipping something right like it just like i can't i can't get past it because like he throws 98 and locates almost never but um you know, at the same time, like not like <laughs> they don't they don't miss it. Like they're sitting they're sitting on it, and he has a good changeup and a good slider. Like so, like it's he's got three plus pitches. So there's no reason a guy with three plus pitches should be as poor at getting a, a baseball to not be hit squarely as Julian Merriweather. Like it's just it's a different conversation, and somewhere right now. Ronnie is listening to this call and going, yeah, I hate that guy. Um, yeah. Just for sure. He <laughs> him, is. And Strowman. <laughs> him and Strowman. <laughs> but, but yeah, at the end of the day, like there's still upside here. Um, and, and I don't know what's missing or how they fix it. Like, I just, I don't have the time 
that I'm going to waste on this guy. But there's closer upside. Will he ever reach that? I I doubt it. But could he? Yeah. Yes. And so that's that's the trap I'm now in. Is do I die on this hill? And and I that was last week's episode. But like, I want to die on this hill because you know. (laughs) Uh oh, you're talking yourself into more Merriweather. Be careful. I just, but like fast forward velocities, like top level, like all of, all of the peripheral stats say he should be better. Uh, however, the the exit velos and the hard hit percentages, not good. Like, again, we talked about this earlier. League average 80, 35, his hard hit percentage, 45%. Uh, how about no? Um, so, yeah, <laughs> just just bad. Um, but uh, obviously you can you can feel my pain. Um, we need to fix it. So the fastball slider, I think, is the way forward for him. He's got a tight nut um, percentage because he throws the slider 35% almost, or no, 34. Uh, and the changeup's just there to offset the fastball every now and then. That's it. It's, it's. I would like to see it, frankly, move from like a 9% pitch to like a 14. Like I think that would help his mix. Like People would be sitting on the fastball a touch less. And then the slider's good enough to get away with it. So that's that. I think that's what they need to do with him. Whether they do it or not, we'll see. And that might be a case of intelligent manager, pitching coach, catcher, looking and having the conversation you just had with yourself and saying, here's a way to just like get a strike early. And then that changes or, everything. Or 50 grand uh-huh. consulting fee. I will fix mm-hmm. it. Oh, I hope they, well, I mean, we know DePoto's listening out in Seattle to this podcast, <laughs> but we don't know if Atkins and Shapiro are listening. To be fair, DePoto and I agree mm-hmm. on the bullpen side of things, right? He's like, "Ah, oh, this Munoz was good. I heard it from you know Daniel's podcast." <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm gonna go Just trade like for, for him. years. But... That was he was a relief pitcher, and he couldn't put together a good bullpen. I mean, he started to do it in 2021, but it really came to fruition. This but year. I've been saying Munoz yeah. like since like 2017. Like, this is a guy time. that I've been preaching forever. And now everybody's like, wow, this guy's good. Like, yeah, oh, no shit. Like, this stuff's phenomenal. Well, he's one of the few prospects that for the longest time as a prospect was known to be a relief pitcher. Not if mm-hmm. he can't, you know, the sentence is, well, if he his worst case scenario is closer, right? That's the, you know. Uh, castaway that they give to a starter. Well, his worst case scenario will be that he's a closer. No, Munoz was like, this is a closer. So he, he might be the best closer in baseball, and he's not even a closer yet. Right. Like, like, and that's like just think about that statement. Like, that's that's how good this arm is. Yeah. 2023 will be a big year for that Seattle bullpen and to see what exactly shakes out in spring training if they try to align anything up. Um, but anyway, uh, the last guy for me, Ty, is somebody who did fail 100% as a closer. That's Tyler Wells with Baltimore Orioles, uh, simply because he went from being uh, kind of looking like he was going to be the closer at the end of 2021 when he got hurt, um, but he had had five save holds in September alone to um, starting out in the bullpen with Baltimore and then transitioning as a starter. Very exciting. And he had a decent run this year, ended up with 103 innings, had a long IL stint, came back in September. I think he pitched once and that was, it may have been two starts, but either way, it wasn't good to finish for him. But in 103 and two thirds innings, the former relief pitcher rule five pick, by the way, 
converted to a starter, had a seven and seven record with five quality starts and a 425 ERA. I'm looking forward to Tyler Wells and Dynasty. Stock will be low. He's 10% rostered on Yahoo. I'm I can just tell you that because I'm looking right now, but that's a heavy redraft. Um site well, not dynasty. One thing I like here, Robbie, is you've got the reverse splits on Wells, right? Like his left his versus lefty numbers are excellent. Um and and so it's it's easier for a righty to improve against righties than le- against the lefties, right? So he got hit fairly hard this year. Um overall, um the the exit number is not great. The barrel numbers are are okay, right? So that's that's the the balance between the lefty righty splits we just talked about. Um I I like him as a guy that can take that step forward. Like we watched yeah. Jorge Lopez go through a very similar transition in Baltimore. Right. And, and the reverse though, Lopez went from a starter who struggled to a relief pitcher who was doing well. And I think they felt the same of Wells that he can go from a relief pitcher who was doing well to a starter that can do well. But the one thing he was lacking was the caper, not as a starter, which I think is what I personally am expecting to see increase next year with him. Well, and I'm going to suggest something that you're not going to like. I think he goes back into the pen next year. A because Baltimore's you gonna get sign out of town. Starters. Yeah, I mean they're gonna sign some starters, but the the splits, like they they preach to that. Like they they say he's gonna move that direction because he's got great lefty numbers, right? So he's gonna be the guy that comes in to face six, seven, eight, nine with three of those four guys being lefties or switch hitters, I don't like, right? So I don't like any of this. I don't like any of this for him not being a starter next year. Yeah. Um, I did, I did want to, cause like, I mean, you're making sense, which is why I don't like it. If you were talking nonsense, I'd let you go. Um, but I got to cut you off when it makes sense. Felix Batista is a guy that we were told about by Ben Palmer, who I mentioned earlier, um, as he is an Orioles fan. So he was immediately on my radar at the start of the season. I scooped him up in a few places where I could, but he ended up with 29 save holds, 88 Ks and 65 and two thirds innings. You know who I'm talking about, 219 ERA, and did not have a great uh, second half of September, three and two thirds innings, three save holds, but a 12, 27 ERA. That's an RP ERA when you have a blow up. That's just what happens yeah. in the month. Um, it can mess with you, but Felix Batista, I think is going to come in next year with mid level. Like I would say in the teens for closer predictions, you know, or rankings. Um, I can see him being like a top seven, eight guy because there are not legit closers out there. And I think if Wells goes back, as you're saying, if he was to go back into the bullpen, um, Batista is the guy, you know, circle him in, uh, he's your boy and he's not a 22 year old or anything. I think next year will be 28 or 29, um, Batista is going to have the closer role from day one, and that can really make a big impact because we also tie, or you, I should say, um, Whitlock, Garrett Whitlock, you talked a lot. of He's not on your list. You talked a lot about him this offseason as, you know, a closer starter converted guy. Well, unfortunately, the Red Sox did that, but like a couple times this year where they moved him back and forth. So he wasn't able to be the elite guy. But as far as like a positive asset with no cost in Dynasty, you were bang on with him. Um, yep. And that, that's somebody that's not on your list, uh, but certainly somebody that I think is warranted. Again, and he also had injury at some point this year, which did ruin a few of the guys that would have been obvious picks. Um, they just missed too much time to um, be on the positive side of a live by the sword, die by the sword. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, there's always like things to look for here. That's why we do this episode, right? Like look at our, like the, the pieces here. There's lots of guys in this list on both sides here uh, that have huge upside, right? And they just had bad 22s or they got hurt or they didn't meet the expectations that were set on them by us or by preseason rankings, right? So these are all things that you have to watch for and you can benefit from the recoil heading into next year's draft season or off season. So that's why we do it. That's why we do it right at the end of the season. Like we're doing right now. Um, and this is why you love us here at dingers because we aren't like the rest of them. Um, and ultimately it's why you can get ahead of the curve here and win championships because dingers only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. Uh, Robbie, it's been lovely. I think it's a great spot to jump off. Uh, we'll see you next time here on dingers.